Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 50. Yay! 50 episodes. Some kind of milestone. It's like I'm Mark Marin or something like that. <laughs> My friend Luke made an analogy the other day in his email that said, you know, I'm going to write a few paragraphs before I get to the interview, kind of like the first bullshit part of the Mark Marin podcast that everybody skips over unless you're really, really depressed. And it occurred to me that is the entirety of my podcast. The bullshit part of the Mark Marin podcast at the beginning that everybody skips over when they're depressed. So thank you all for listening. I hope you're not all depressed. That would be a bummer, but not entirely surprising, I suppose. Life is pain, as they say. But I made it 50 episodes. That's like follow through on a project that I don't always succeed at. So, you know, I'll give myself a round of applause. They probably sounded weird. I did change my noise gate and compression settings on this thing this week. One of my friends was like, why does it always get all choppy and clippy? And I've been like, all right, yeah, you know, that's fair. I should fix that. I have learned a lot more about compression and noise gates and limiters and things in the process of working on my album. So I've tweaked the settings a little bit. They're not great, especially because I don't have a vocal booth and I have my air conditioner on at the moment. I'll turn it off in a second. Um, but the other day I was actually looking, you know, I was thinking about this vocal issue. I've been recording, re-recording vocals of my album now that I've got my good audio interface with good microphone preamps in it hooked up to my computer and a good, well, decently good, not like a Neumann or anything, a blue snowball mic hooked up. And I was like, yeah, it's everything's pretty echoey still. And I really would like a vocal booth. And there's this little part in my office where I know if I pound through the wall, there's a perfect little vocal booth sized room that I can make. But I don't think I'm going to do that. So then I was wondering if anybody made vocal booths, like portable vocal booths. <laughs> my friend Dave Gilkazian, back when he was recording as the Texas governor, I remember visiting his house in New Hampshire. And he had made this awesome vocal booth out of like cardboard and audio foam. And it just barely stood up, but it did the job. And it turns out there is one. It's pretty cool. It looks kind of like the head of the t- of like an alien or something. And it just surrounds your head with like uh, acoustic foam. And it's got a little shelf and light in there and a stand for the microphone but it's a thousand bucks so i don't think i'm gonna get that but i guess if i did have it this podcast would sound sweet but you know if this is a low budget affair i'm just using a blue snowball mic here is like 50 bucks or something anyway things are going great in chatham county we missed a hurricane that was pretty sweet it was supposed to come right at us and it didn't i mean the bahamas are screwed as we all know so i'm not exactly like blithely blowing off this hurricane but it did not hit us and our friends in wilmington got off pretty unscathed so you know that is nice for us not nice for the bahamas and puppet trump is like not letting them come to the country which is again you know complete bullshit blah 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 we all know that let's we don't need to talk about that today 
We had some visitors last weekend. It was lovely. My old friend Ashley and her husband Brandon, who is an old friend of Emma's, and their son Elliot came to visit. Those of you that attended my wedding may remember Brandon as the gentleman who performed the ceremony. It was great. I hadn't seen them in years. Ashley was a very good friend of mine for a long time, 10, 15 years ago or more. Uh, we, we couldn't quite figure it out. It was quite some time ago, though. And she was basically just the same. She was very flattered when I said that because, you know, she's a mom and she's working on time and she thinks her hair is going gray but I was actually pretty remarkable it was pretty remarkable to me how unchanged she was still just wonderful to talk to and it's a good time it was really fun to have them here and Elliot is a great kid and it was super fun and I like hanging out with kids older than Emma Jane now you know I mean baby's younger than Jane I go gaga for her, like baby but babies older than Jane are like an insight into what our life is going to be like. So that's always interesting and educational as well. But it was a very enjoyable weekend. Cut short a little bit because of the hurricane. They came Saturday instead of Friday. But we all had a great time. I'm glad they visited. All right. I just made a few more adjustments to the vocals. There we go. It was a little quiet. So we're going to bump that up a little bit. Please adjust your sets accordingly. Uh, anyway, went to New York as I have to do with some frequency for work I have to go back to New York next Wednesday because I forgot about it and we have a board meeting and I booked all my trips on the inverse week so I gotta go three weeks in a row but I went, it was a good time. I went to my friend Dan Macaron's book party for a book called The Barstool MBA, which is not affiliated with Barstool Sports, by the way, but it is sort of a great MBA based on Dan's experience reading, uh, managing bars. That was good. Saw some old friends there, had a good time. Saw my friend Alyssa at Tom and Jerry's. It was fashion week, so the place was packed. I had a dinner by myself on Tuesday night at Balthazar, which is one of my favorite things to do in New York. Just go sit at the bar and eat dinner by yourself and people watch, which is amazing. I just texted with my wife through the whole thing. It was great. Uh, I saw my friend Kristen. We went to St. Anselm, which is also great. And I got a drink at Zablowski's by myself afterwards while I was waiting for my car, which was awesome. It was a good week. I'll be back, except for it was fashion week, which is a bit of a bummer. And my hotel was like a total madhouse and it was insane. And I'm excited it's over. I forgot about how awful New York is during fashion week. I really need to mark it on my calendars. There were people like coming out of the elevator when I was waiting to go to bed, and there's like 20 people in each elevator car. I'm like, you people are insane. Like, you're going to get stuck in there. And one of those elevators is already kind of like iffy and on the fritz. So I was filled with anxiety with the whole thing. And me and this guy in the elevator were like, oh, God, Fashion Week's the worst. And then this woman that looked like Anna Wintour was not Anna Wintour, but had that hair. And she's like, just totally normal. She's like, I'm here for Fashion Week. I'm totally normal. And we're both like, oh, God, we're so sorry. We're not like saying everyone here for Fashion Week is terrible. We're just saying it's rough on us, you know. And she's like, it's okay. I'm just fucking with you. So that's pretty funny. Uh, what else? Jane is doing great. She said the word red and yellow today. I was teaching her the colors on my amazing shellac athletic jersey I have. Uh, and she'd be like, red, yellow, red, yellow. Yesterday she said family for the first time. I've been trying to teach her the word family, which, you know, I, I go, daddy, mommy, Jane. And then I hold this all and I say family. And finally she was like, family. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cute. I mean, the words are like several a day at this point. It's out of control. She's starting to learn to string them together. She, you know, mainly no and yes. But now she sort of knows the say please she goes peace which is super cute uh but you know she's still teething still throwing fits for no reason which will probably happen until she's like 25 years old so i should probably just get used to that uh we had a pretty good morning though 
it was pretty good. It was pretty good. We went grocery shopping and recycling and all that. Checked out the local retail establishments. Uh, I bought a small picture frame for a new order postage stamp that I got off of eBay from the United Kingdom. They did postage stamps of the Power Corruption Lies cover a few years ago, and I've been waiting to get one on eBay for years, and there finally one showed up, so I got that. Uh, and I bought a calculator for her. She, I had bought her a calculator before and she loved it, but now she knows her numbers. And so I was like, I'm going to get you a bigger, more indestructible calculator. And I did, and she loves it. So that was pretty exciting. She's totally playing with her little calculator. And yeah, she's great. She's cute. I put her photos up on my Instagram stories. If you are on Instagram and follow me. I have read all those articles about parents and their babies and their kids and Instagram. So I've been primarily doing it on stories. So they expire. So the evidence will be destroyed before she's an adult. So she can't resent me for these photos. I figure baby photos, that's like the province of adults, but at some point you got to like tone it down. So I only put like one photo very rarely to sort of mark the passage of time on my main Instagram. And then most everything else is on Instagram photos. Um, which is exciting because I took a bunch of cute black and white ones today. One of them were at the Fender Rose, one of them were at the Apple IIe, one of them were me on the patterned oriental rug, and they're all in black and white. I, Jane plays with their cameras, and she switched mine to black and white mode, and I'm like, this is great. I'm just going to run with it for a few weeks, so my entire all my photos are in black and white for the last week. Yeah. That baby's pretty awesome. Uh, trying to learn to hear the C scale on the piano today, but she was not having it, and she just kind of went like that instead she was she was having a good time i'm trying to record a song i was talking to my friend about it and like recording individual tracks of her but it's not really coming together yet so we'll keep working on that uh music though other music i sold a couple things on discogs i sold waves which is a compilation album for ride the legendary shoegaze band that is back in action these these days are coming down here in a week or so our friend jesse's coming New Order CD single for World Love in Motion. Love's got the world in motion. I guess World in Motion, sorry. Uh, England New Order, they were called when they did their famed, wonderfully amazing English football anthem in 1992 or something like that. Actually, it's pretty terrible. Some people love it, though. My friend Sean posted it. What's your few, three favorite New Order songs thread the other day? And a couple of people unironically put World in Motion on there. Maybe they're football fans. I don't really know. We're singing for England. It's not really my my favorite but the guy that bought it he lived in stoughton massachusetts and i was like i used to work in stoughton massachusetts he's like wow and he's like this french dude that lives in stoughton because of his wife he's a graphic designer and i was telling him about my old job at profit sound and i was there's a really good recording studio down there and we did like you know good for boston stuff dropkick murphy sand black church and you know we just got to talk and that was kind of cool takes me back to those days in stoughton with jill and chris canning driving back to alston on our reverse commute it was nice. It was nice. I remember one time we were in the car. We were listening to music. I think it was Beck. And Jill's just like, this is so awesome. We had like a beautiful sunset. We are on 93. And it's, just, you know, it's one of my favorite memories of her. So that was nice. Thank you, guy from Stoughton, French man from Stoughton, for doing that. Uh, I didn't know live shows, but there's a bunch coming up. Ride. And then on Wednesday, if all goes well, I'm going to do a doubleheader in New York and Brooklyn. I'm going to go see Nitzareb at Warsaw. And I'm going to run over to Brooklyn Bazaar. And I'm going to see Popweed itself. <laughs> Popweed itself is one it was back in the old days one of my favorite live bands. I went to England for their reunion in like 28 or something like that. But uh, you know, 
Clint Mansell, the famed soundtrack composer best known for his work with Darren Aronofsky and Duncan Jones's Moon, as well as Black Mirror. He used to be in the band. He was one of the two main guys. He's not in the band anymore. But the other guy, Grand Poppy, is keeping it real. So I, I, I don't know, man. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. And uh, Nitzarev is on my list of bands I've never seen. And that one particularly irks me because one time when early on when uh, Em and I were dating, I was out in San Francisco for work and I was on the phone with her. And she's like, yeah, me and Chris Ewan, you took me to the paradise. And we saw this awesome band. It was only a dollar. And I was like, who was it? She's like, Nitzarev. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so jealous. So I finally get to see him. I'm very excited. And the, the set list looks great great that'll be a great time and then as i said ride is coming uh i'm gonna miss swerve driver at cat's cradle back room though because i gotta go to a wedding so that's a real bummer i love swerve driver live saw their first show in america tt the bears it was great uh but yeah that sucks i'll be sad about that music this week let's see listen to the new iggy pop called free i enjoy it many iggy pop fans may not it is very weird it is very jazzy and ambient it has uh this woman whose stage name is Novaler. Her real name is Sarah Lipstate, and she's awesome as a solo performance performer, not a performance artist. She is a musician. I saw her open for Mary Timoney Performs Helium at uh, Rough Trade several years ago, and I loved her. She really reminds me a lot of kind of a mix of early Andrew Bird and Imogene Heap. It's a lot of looped guitars where she builds the songs up one at a time over time, and I love it. She's great, and she does a good job on this Iggy Pop album. He also has a jazz trumpeter. I don't know who he is. Something Thomas. He's great, too. So it's a really weird album. It's very mellow. It's very introspective. It's got a lot of spoken word on it, but I enjoy it. Man, I think I'm just going to make the gain higher on this when I'm done. It just, it's, it's a sad little uh, waveform there. It doesn't look very big. Anyway, uh, let's see. New OCs album, Face Stabber. <laughs> it's more of the same. If you like the OCs, you'll probably like it. Well, not quite as good as Ogre, but it's a good record. I enjoyed it. I only gave it one lesson so far, so we'll give that some more lessons. Uh, I listened to the new Tool, Fear Inoculum, mainly because all those Taylor Swift fans were mad because it took Taylor Swift out of number one, or at least I saw a headline saying that was going to happen. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I never really listened to Tool. I had a friend who filled in for the bassist once in like 1990 for part of a tour because he was broken hand or something but um i have never really been a fan so i give it a shot because people you know people like tool they seem decently respected but i was like i don't know this just sounds like metallica when they're on quaaludes which i guess actually sounds really cool maybe i'll give it another shot uh then i listened to the new chick 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 which has a great name it's called wallop but uh, I didn't really like it. it uh, I'll give it another shot, of course. But it was like weird and electronic poppy. I don't know. I could have mistaken it for early MGMT or something. That sounds better than it actually was. Uh, I don't know. It didn't. It just left no impression on me. Uh, then I listened to the new Muna, which is a, a three female, three woman outfit from Brooklyn. Uh, I really like their last album. This one's called Save the World. It had some good pop jams on it. Uh, it was a very interesting band. They their position in between the indie rock and the pop. It's it's very interesting. But uh, yeah, it was okay. It, it struck me on first listen as not as good as the last one. But we shall see. What I did love was the new Full Black Belt Eagle Scout album. I love that band so much it's mostly a solo act but uh yeah 
she has a band, so I guess they're a band. Uh, it's called At the Party with My Brown Friends. She is a Native American. No, actually, I think she's Canadian. Native, indigenous Canadian uh, that makes shoegaze music, and it's really good. And I saw her play at Cat's Cradle. I've been talking about her on this podcast for quite some time. She's a new album this week. It's really awesome. I strongly recommend it. Black Belt Eagle Scout at the party with my brown friends. Uh, I, like many people, listened to the new Lana Del Rey this week called Norman Fucking Rockwell. I have been more or less supportive of Lana Del Rey since the beginning. I have the first record on vinyl. I bought it when it came out. I, I didn't mind the hype. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, but I think she's really grown into her own. I think this album is bordering on fantastic. And of all the stuff I've been listening to while I've been working, working on my record, it's the one I feel most jealous of, even though it's nothing like mine and it's not really a political record. But man, yeah, I think it's great. And then my friend Conrad Doucette tweeted about an album by a woman named Joan Shelley. And he was like, this album is so good. So I was like, oh, I better listen to it because I'll listen to anything. Somebody says it's good. And it is titled Like the River Loves the Sea. And he was right. It is fantastic. It is a solo acoustic folk album. It is amazing. Uh, there's a very light amount of guesting and backing. Uh, Will Oldham, for example, is, does backing vocals on two songs. But man, it's amazing. And I found out she's playing uh, Cat's Cradle. So I have to go to that if I can. I also found out Angel Olsen is playing. Haw River Ballroom, which I'm very excited about, but I don't know, man. It's hard to go to shows these days, and Haw River's like 20 minutes, 20 minutes away, so we will see. Uh, and then I listened to three acts that my friend Nikki told me to listen to. They're all kind of related. It's a little... A little uh, confusing to me still, but there's a band called Chairlift. They had an album called Moth. It seems to be a f- uh, two women in the group, and it's sort of shoegazy. Man, kind of remind me a little bit of Her Space Holiday, actually. And it was great. And then there's two other albums, uh, Ramona Lisa, which is not a person's real name. It's a great band name, though, right? And an t- album titled Arcadia. And a woman from Chairlift, Caroline Polachek. She had three singles out on, I think they're leading up to an album. They're all on Spotify. Oceans of Tears, Parachute, and Door. I think Caroline Polachek and Ramona Lisa are one in the same or they might be the two people that make up chairlift i'm a little fuzzy on the whole thing but it's all great he wasn't lying good stuff and then i listened to the new hate rock htrk uh venus and leo i listened to it on spotify but then i bought the vinyl it had just arrived today very exciting and uh, i gave it a listen so i've listened to that two or three times now i like it a lot i've been a great fan of these guys forever i was lucky to see my baby's all right on one of their few american appearances and it is great. It's a little bit, I want to say more uplifting, but I don't know if that's the right word. I don't know. Is it a little uh, swinging? No. I don't know. Upbeat? Like maybe it's a little, I don't know. It's still very odd and dark and strange, but it's got a little bit more hope or optimism in it, I think. Uh, and then today, or actually last night, but I listened to it today, I signed up for the Merge Records 30th anniversary year-long membership, and the latest installment for September showed up this morning, and it is a giant dog covering all of Neon Bible by the Arcade Fire on beautiful purple vinyl. And it is great. <laughs> I had a hunch. I saw Giant Dog at Merge 30 not too long ago, and I was like, this is a pretty good band. And then they did the cover of uh, Hounds of Love by Kate Bush, and I was like, this is magnificent. And this thing is really good. So that was a great, great, great unexpected treasure sent to my house this week, and I am very, very thankful for it. Very exciting. And then finally, the latest installment of my Vinyl, Ple- Vinyl Me Please subscription came in. It is an artist called Jim Sullivan. The album is called UFO. It's kind of like weird rock, acid rock, kind of, but a little with a folk bent from the old days. I'm going to guess the 70s. I haven't bothered researching it yet very much, but it was a great record. An excellent 
submission entry into the Vinyl Me Please Record of the Month archives. That is a great subscription. I'm really into it. For a while, I was going up on the 20th of each month and seeing if I could swap out the record. But generally speaking, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Okay, I trust you guys. And it has been worth it. So, I, you know, I count me as a fan. Television. Haven't been watching much television. Uh, we finished what we do in the shadows. It was entertaining and mildly funny and about 80% as good as the movie, but good enough and very short and very quick season. So we like that. There's one episode in particular that is hilarious. Maybe two. It's good though. There is every moment. Every episode has at least one laugh out loud moment. So we enjoyed that. We finished the boys. I like the twist ending, but I don't know. I, I, I was interested in it. I, it's a thing right now. I'm, I, I find myself occasionally looking forward to a show in the evening and wanting to know what happens next, even if I don't necessarily love it. And that's kind of what the boys was. I was engaged the whole time, but it was it was painful too. It was dark and funny at times but uh yeah I'm, I, I guess i'm glad it's over i will probably just watch more of that uh that's really about it uh we can be still working on adventure time which is pretty great we watched the debate last night no not last night not last night but the night before 24 candidates on the floor all right uh yeah, it was good. I mean, uh, people complain about every debate because they can't ask enough questions about every topic. And I was like, they're not asking about this. But I actually found that to be a very substantial, substantive debate. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, it was interesting, right? Like, I think there's some some genuine dilemmas facing the party on positions on things like uh, private insurance abolishment, which I guess I would be okay with, but I am also not convinced it is a winning approach, although Elizabeth Warren made a very, very good argument and explanation for it. And then Beto went all in on banning AR-15s completely, which I think is kind of awesome, but also, like, perhaps not the best thing to say politically. Uh, but I was like, yeah, man, all right, you go on with your bad self. He actually, I thought he did a very good job. Uh, I've been a Castro fan, but I didn't think he did as well. Biden just seemed muddled, which is, you know, kind of sad and slightly alarming elizabeth did great bernie really needed to cough and clear his throat <laughs> i like the word the sentences and sentiments he expresses but it was very hard to listen to him kamala just looks stoned i like her i'm gonna i would vote for her but uh sometimes i'm like why i mean whatever i say i think the same thing of bernie the way he talks in this year these are not substantial complaints so I will let them pass, especially since she's a woman. So, you know, you shouldn't really make fun of them in that way, I suppose. Uh, let's see who else was worth noting in the debate. I don't really remember anything other than them, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I missed Inslee, though. I kind of like that guy. None of it's changed my opinion. I am still probably going to vote for Warren, barring any sort of tactical decisions I have to make around people in the primary here in North Carolina. i pleased to see her momentum. Uh, you know, I will, I, I'm trying not to, like, say anything too mean about any of them on the off chance I have to get behind them. But, uh, Biden was my pattern was rough man you know somebody asked him about like a quote he said ages ago and 30 years ago and he just rambled and i was like all you have to do is say i was younger and i've i've learned and matured and i, I made a mistake you just just stop man it was it was it wasn't good but yeah castro said some great stuff but then you know he attacked bernie for being or biden for being old which i think is slightly uncouth and yeah, the debate it feels like work. I don't, I'm not like a drink when they say this kind of guy and I don't really super enjoy watching them, but I feel like sometimes it's my civic duty. So I just kind of do it, you know?
but that's it for TV and movies are very minimal as well. All I watched for movies in the last two weeks were the Star Trek two, three and four trilogy. Again, it's been a while actually. It had been like several years since I saw any of them and I started to like get things a little muddled. I couldn't remember what movie David died in and I couldn't, I didn't remember Savick being in two films and you know, things like that. So it was good to watch him again. Four is really funny. It's most like a TV show, but it's just so enjoyable. Still the A plot, B plot and C plot are all amazing. Uh, that's a good run though you know when I was like younger and trying to be dark instead of now where I just am depressed but trying not to be I was always like two is the best one man but now I'm like yeah it's okay <laughs> people ranting Shakespeare in, in space gets pretty tedious in any franchise if you ask me Ricardo Montalban is great but that chest is ridiculous and there are some plot problems but I'm not gonna lie but I realized that the when Spock says his strategy connotes clearly two-dimensional thinking or something like that, basically saying the guy isn't thinking about space in 3D. I was like, thank you. That is a huge problem in, in most space battles, and it's always a problem in Star Trek, too. And in this case, all they did was go straight down and then come straight back up. But it's the sort of thing that it makes you really appreciate the expanse because those are the best space battles because they are just, you know all over the space in three dimensions uh yeah so that's it for movies i've really been reading books i read a lot of books well i read, finished three books and then i started a fourth i'm about halfway through successfully all women authors i'm on a roll right now i've got a couple more lined up so i'm feeling great my wife has walked in hello wife what's up she doesn't want to talk I will forgive that interruption because she wanted me to help with a project that she's doing for me. She's mounting a guitar wall on one of my walls and she needs some photos of the wall and with a measuring tape and with a guitar and, you know, I can excuse interrupting me for something you're doing for me. I am that magnanimous. I have no recollection where we were. Oh yeah, books, right. And luckily I hadn't started them yet. The first book was Lab Girl by Hope Jarin, which was just fantastic. It is the autobiography of a woman, very renowned biologist, three-time Fulbright scholar, amongst other things, won the highest medal in biology. She is just a fantastic writer, and it's sort of a autobiography mixed with little episodes of science, biology, trees mainly, and using them as sort of metaphors, introductions for the next segment of her life. It was just beautiful. So good. And really made you care about science and the sort of how much we pay for it, and especially her partner and all the science, Bill, who doesn't run the lab. Or he runs the lab, but he's not a PhD. And how much hard it's been for her to make sure that Bill gets paid while she, even as she gets more and more renowned as a scientist. It's amazing. I got it off Barack Obama's book list. I strongly recommend it. I cried at a couple points in it. Uh, it's just phenomenal. And then my wife had me read a very popular children's parenting book called Crib Sheet, A Data-Driven Guide to Better, More Relaxed Parenting from Birth to Preschool by Emily Oster, which was great. I should have read it earlier. The preschool part is, or the toddler part is perhaps a third of the book, and it's a short book. So I got some good stuff out of it, though. You know, around tantrums and food and preschool and nannies, things like that. Not that we have nannies or preschool. But it was great, and I strongly recommend it if you're expecting. It's no nonsense. She has another book, apparently all about birth as well the parts about birth and infants were fun to read it was sort of like a trip down memory lane also sort of very reassuring because we i feel like i did most of it right or at least would have made the same decisions again her whole thing is she gives you data the studies and sort of helps you evaluate them her and her husband are economists 
<laughs> funny story. They use Asana, the project management tool, in their family. And I was out with a friend on Thursday in New York. We were getting coffee, and she was talking about her, her and her husband and use Asana for planning. And then she mentioned that he works at Asana, her husband. And I was like, oh, I've had Emily Oster. She come in, like, you know, I'd be very excited. She's like, she came in and visited them. And I just thought it was great. The booming market for Asana amongst families. We don't really use anything like that for our families in our house. It's an email. We have a Google Calendar. Well, actually, I guess we use Wonderlist for shared lists, and it's a small step from an advanced shared list program to a minimal project management program, so I guess we just use a suite of tools rather than any one tool. Anyway, then I read uh, She Said, Breaking the Sexual Harassment Story that Helped Ignite a Movement by Jody Cantor and Megan Twohey, I think. Uh, I was really obsessed with a screenwriter named named David Twohey, who was one of the screenwriters and I believe the director of Warlock, starring Richard E. Grant and Julian Sands, and I was hoping that she was his daughter, but it's not spelled the same, and she's not. But uh, anyway, that is about their work at the New York Times and reporting the Harvey Weinstein sexual harassment stuff. And it is fantastic. The first half of the book, especially just, you know, it's like spotlight level intensity of breaking a story. And then the second half goes into the Brett Kavanaugh stuff, which is, as you know, I am very, very upset about still. And that was way more painful, but also super informative about what was going on with sort of the negotiations around the testimony and stuff. There's another book about Brett Kavanaugh written by a woman I might read, but it just, I don't know, man, that guy just makes me so angry. Uh, anyway, so, and then it ends with a very interesting thing where they get everybody from all the reporting from, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Ashley Judd and the uh, former assistants at Miramax to, uh, Christine Blasey Ford to the organizers of the sexual harassment cleanup movement at McDonald's and they sort of ignore, uh, host a round table and talk to them all. And that was very, very interesting as well. It is a fantastic book. I strongly recommend it. So then continuing my run of new books written by women, I just am reading now For the Love of Men, A New Vision of for Mindful Masculinity by Liz Plank. Uh, I'm 100% in agreement with her on her thesis, which is that toxic masculinity is one of the biggest problems in the world, and the first several chapters were just brilliant, and I was like, I gotta make my wife read this. And then last night I read a few chapters that I was a little bit like more not disagreeing with her theses, but like sort of not into the way she was reporting things. Uh, one thing that really I noticed, this is not confined to this book, but that's been bothering me lately. And in this book, it was especially frustrating for me. But uh, the way people now cite sources in these prose style f- notes at the end of chapters or at the end of the book, they're like chapter one. And then it's like a little essay, like I got this part of this from this and I got this part of this from this. And I'm like, I mean, you're just quoting a study. Just put a footnote in, man. I want to click on it. I want to see the link, like the, the study and I want to be able to go read it. And I don't want to have to go read another prose thing. It's really frustrating to me. And I know that people do it because it makes the books more readable and often that's okay but whenever you really want to go read the study because you have some questions that weren't addressed in the prose it's very hard to find it and that's very frustrating for me and she's by no means the only one that does this but and I've probably got to be in my bonnet about it but in this case there was a study she was talking about benevolent sexism which I am in agreement with her thesis it is not a great thing but she was talking she was talking about how women generally in relationships with benevolent sexism are less happy but men interestingly are more happy in them and I was like oh that's interesting I would have been surprised and then she said but you know what happens when this man loses his job or he can't provide or he can't perform his role 
And I was confused because I was like, well, you just said there was a study. Like, doesn't the study address that? And she didn't say if it addressed it or not. And, you know, there's no link to the study. So I, and I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, it's not hard to imagine. They just slip into like a Florence Nightingale and the soldier sort of thing or besieged and, uh, you know, or whatever. Like, I can see scenarios where benevolent sexism would still make couples more happy, men more happy, even when they're like wounded, you know. But, and I was curious. And I was like, that's kind of weird to me. She didn't really address all that. So that was a little, a little frustrating for me. And then she had a section on chivalry and I agreed with her thesis that chivalry is generally pretty toxic. It's more about the guy that's doing it. And, uh, then, you know, this sort of woke guy was like, well, I just, anything I would do for a man, I will do for a woman too. If I'm going to hold the door, I'm going to hold the door for them both. And I'm like, yep, that's great. I agree with that too. And then I was like, it's interesting though, that she doesn't talk about chivalry in the context of a relationship, right? Like I, I, I don't think like I'm chivalrous in any sexist way. Cause I, I'm like that dude. If I do it for a woman, I'll do it for a guy, but I definitely do more things for my wife than other men or women. Right. And it's not sexist just because she's a woman, because what if I was gay and it was a man and I was still being chivalrous and doing things for, her? I don't know. And I, you know, and it wasn't that I disagreed with what she said. It was just, that there was this big chunk she didn't address. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And there's several other parts where it was like that. You know, she was talking about all these women that are just done with dudes that are like expecting them to help them with emotional labor, which I thought was kind of interesting because because that's the thesis of the book that this is the big problem for us. And I assume that'll be addressed later in the book, though, like what women can do to help. But like, you know, it's a little confusing. Uh, and then all the uh, section on women dropping out and just giving up on men, and which is all very interesting and certainly understandable. But I was like, well, how come we're not talking about the whole Megto movement, men going their own way when we're talking about this other side of it? You know, like both genders are doing, I don't know, whatever. Those are minor. But the one thing that consistently sort of upsets me in the book is that she has this pretty clever comeback that she's constructed in a way that is actually, I think, a little dishonest. She's, you know, she's like, there are a lot of people upset that women are getting more freedoms, but freedom isn't a zero-sum game. And like, you know, just because someone else is getting more freedoms, you're not getting less. And I'm like, well, that is true, but that is not true of power. And I think it's plausible that many people are as upset about the power changes than they are the freedom changes. And power is a zero-sum game. I'm not upset about it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's sort of like a problem with the argument you know what i mean because it'd be much more interesting to talk about that but these are minor quibbles the book is very interesting it, her thesis is dead on uh toxic masculinity is a problem it's actually if you're a man you're reading this book you'll generally feel pretty understood which is kind of nice and i got a long ways to go so i'm making these interim critiques that may well be changed and i will keep you updated i'll probably finish it by like tuesday so we'll talk about it next week Work, work is going great. I got a board meeting this week, got the board deck done. The audit is almost done. I'm doing a bunch of insurance renewals. We just did our sexual harassment training, updated our sexual harassment policy. Uh, we had a little panic about an open source competitor that I thought was gonna be a problem, but then I realized we're still a lot better than it, so I felt okay about that. Uh, yeah, let's see, a bunch of, some of our employees are at a big marketing conference this week, and uh, we're gonna do the climate strike, which is pretty exciting. Next Friday, Greta Thunberg, Global Strike for Climate, we're going to do it on Friday. The whole company. I told the employees they could strike on us and we'd strike on, on the other thing. And we're all just going to not be there. So that'll be cool. And we'll tweet out about it and stuff and do a news item. So I'm excited about that. Uh, in tech, let's see. We had the Apple event. Uh, all mostly incremental stuff, but the camera looks great. As always, they're going to sucker me with a better camera on the phone. So I'll be getting that. Uh, I have a friend I was out with a while back whose phone just died. So I'm going to donate my old phone to him. So that takes care of that. Uh, 
Apple TV Plus looks dumb, but it was brilliant for them to be like, you get a year when you buy a product, because I'll buy an Apple product every year, so I'll never have to pay for Apple Plus, so then it's just an add-on, so that's nice. I don't know if they'll keep doing that or not. Maybe they'll just try and hook me, but whatever. I'm good about that. I just turned off an app. I was like, I'm no monthly subscription for you, app. You are not good enough for that money. Uh, my friend Luke O'Neill does an amazing email newsletter called Hell World. I've been subscribed for months, except it was going to my spam folder because I have this very, very rigid spam folder my wife taught me, which is smart filters set up around every word, like unsubscribe or remove from list and anything that has those words and any email at all that has those words goes into a meta spam folder that I check once a month. Nah, you can try to do it like once a week, but, uh, and then I reverse whitelist anything that has those words in it that I want to keep. So it is very, very effective, but the problem is whenever I sign up for a newsletter i have to go in there and un and whitelist it and i finally did that on luke's and it's just fantastic i bought his book it's coming in soon luke's an old friend of mine from boston from the rock world he was at a band called the good north back when i was in rockets birth from the street lamps and running the arch enemy record company and i have his old cds and we used to be drinking together because we both used to drink too much so it's really amazing to see what he's been doing with his reporting and his writing he's a phenomenal writer i cannot recommend it enough uh the we work ipo shit show is just super enjoyable i'm losing money by the minute but i'm totally okay with that because it was never really worth that much and they just uh, redid their governance. It's kind of like not good enough yet, but at least they're trying and they're slashing their valuation. But honestly, they have a long more way to go. They should probably just get rid of Adam at this point. I, I think that's pretty much the only thing that'll really work, but I don't think they're going to go that far. But it is a fun drama. And then I had a sort of conversation last night with some friends on Twitter about the phrase off the record. Elon Musk got into a bit of trouble because he wrote, answered a reporter and said off the record and then answered it. And journalists, you may or may not know this, journalists do not believe you can just say off the record and tell them stuff. You have to, they have to agree to it, which of course makes sense. But the fact is most people don't know it works that way. And journalists know most people don't know it doesn't work that way. And I do that all the time. And journalists don't abuse it when I do it because I'm not famous and I'm not rich and I'm not interesting. And they just sort of like, you know, they know that it's better to have me as a source later on. So they just, they just sort of patch it up for me and, and do it right, even though they know I'm not. But, you know, it just, I don't know. I was just saying, like, it would be better if this was journalists understood and they were just honest about it. So that was an interesting thing. Be careful when you say off the record. Make sure they agree. Projects, the album is going great. As soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to work on uh, clean up Bobby Malone. Bobby Malone. Bobby Malone is a song by Cassio Tone for the Painfully Alone that I heard this morning. I'm going to clean up a song of mine called Hats Off to Bobby. I got to change one line and uh, tweak the mix a little bit. And then uh, finalize another song called Turtle Speaks with Forked Tongue. I'm almost done. I really think in the next week this will be ready to go as an album. Send it off to the mix. I'm so close. I'm so close i want it to be done uh, a couple songs are all done i spent a lot of time on a song called pasture copping drinking song which is amazing and uh redid all the vocals all six parts is pretty it's pretty epic but i'm feeling good about it i'm feeling good about this album i know i send songs to people and some people are complimentary and some people are like just don't say anything but that's okay i don't care 
it's a project. I'm going to get it done. I'm feeling good. Uh, and I'm, I made two months solid of every day of journaling and 750 words, but I, this month I've been a little sporadic still, but I was definitely, I've definitely been thinking about this journaling thing in the context of that book for the love of men I've been reading, especially the section where the women were complaining about men coming to them with their emotions, which obviously is at odds with the thesis of the book. But like, I think what she's saying is that men, you know, they have, are socially conditioned to not express their emotions. And then once they're in a relationship, they're like, have somebody there that they can try with and then they put it all on this woman and it's too much work and it's not the woman's problem and they should be going to their therapist and other people but we don't know how and I was like thinking about it I was like well I don't really have this problem and I never did but that's probably because I've been introspectively journaling since I was 16 years old you know and as we know we talk about other journalers on here like Anais Nin and Sarah Mangusa's ongoingness they're generally often women uh, with a notable exception of my struggle which I'm definitely going to read next year in the year of long books. But uh, anyway, yeah, journaling is such a big help for me. And I think that it is related to overcoming toxic masculinity at some point because you can pour your feelings out into something that feels safe. And I love it. I love it. And then one final note is that one of my Google alerts came off and it was that Elton John apparently at one point owned more Fabergé eggs than the Fabergé Egg Museum in Russia. And I was like, okay, this is a great little pithy quote from an upcoming Elton John biography, but there are two problems with this. And the first is that the year he was doing it was before a large number of Fabergé eggs were donated to the museum and they have like 10 more than they used to. And also all the eggs are generally accounted for. And unless he bought a bunch of them right when Malcolm Forbes sold his collection, I'm a little dubious of the sourcing on this. I would like more info about Elton John and his Fabergé egg obsession. Thanks for listening. Take care.